feel like the ultimate threat is not whether something is good or bad, but I think it's the term normal. This idea and perception of normal kicks off good or bad. Humanity as a whole hasn't agreed to what is good and bad. None of us are normal. Hi, and welcome to the Heart Leader Podcast, where our heart and our mind align. I'm your host, Amber, and I'm here with Austin to talk about silencing our inner critic. Today, we're going to focus on how external judgments and that negative brain bias all play a part in feeding that inner critic and in our internal shutdown sometimes that we can have. So we want to really dive in and just explore all the different influences that we have so we can begin to formulate our plan and explore the tools that we'll use to get in there and silence that inner critic. Knowing is the first step, we can say, in really tackling that inner critic. So that's where we're starting, is in gathering all of the knowledge for all of the feeders that go into building that inner critic. Now, we are going to continue this journey over several weeks. So if you really desire to focus on silencing your inner critic, Take a moment and click subscribe wherever you're listening so that we can continue to take this journey together. So Austin, speaking of taking the journey, let's dive in immediately to talking about this because external judgments are something so many of us have had some level of feeling around unless we've lived in some magical place on this planet, then somewhere, somehow, we've all felt judged by someone outside of ourselves or some system somewhere. And so how does that begin to formulate different feeders into our own internal judgments of ourselves and our own self-limiting beliefs, really. Those boundaries and barriers that we put onto ourselves that then ultimately kick off that inner critic. Yeah, I think it really stems from us a long time ago, uh, us meaning humanity, right? A long time ago, really understanding ourselves from the outside to the end. Where do we fit in this world? How do we fit in this world? Where, where's our place? And so when we start taking all these externals in, it helps us understand, okay, well, where, where are we in all of this? And so now that we don't have as many external threats like we, like humans used to in the past, you know, a lot of it was to, for survival purposes, right? Mm-hmm. And so those instincts are still present, but our, th- our external survival threats aren't as present in that same way for, from a majority of people, let's say. And so I feel like they still get triggered though. And the threat is something different. It's maybe a, instead of a threat against our, our physical bodies now in terms of like uh, us dying, for example, it's more of like an ego death. And so that's where those are, are triggered. And so those externals come in and it's really easy to want to 
be judgmental about ourselves because we so badly want to fit in. We are social creatures. We, we thrive on a community and being around people and being connected. And so when we look at outside of ourselves, say, oh, well, what is everyone else doing? And then what am I doing? And how do I fit into that? It's really easy to kind of get into a trap. Yeah. And if we feel like we're not fitting in, and we talked about this a little bit with cultural norms, right? If we feel like we're not fitting in, then we do start to create these self-limiting beliefs. If we feel like we could do more or do something different, even if it's not more, but we could expand beyond a barrier that's in place within a cultural norm, maybe. And then we're like, no, 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 but I need to fit in or I will be judged within this culture. Then we put in a self-limiting belief. I myself can't do this because if I do, then I am different. And I am the one who is wrong for feeling like I should be different. And then we start to label ourselves. And the moment we start to label ourselves as good or bad, right or wrong, then we really start to feed our inner critic, whether we realize it or not, because every bad label, every wrong judgment we put on ourselves, then we're saying there's we're going to limit ourselves in that capacity. Now, the goods are very nice, but most of the time we're not putting ourselves in that good category. Mm-hmm. We're overlooking what we've done well. Mm-hmm. And this is where that negative brain bias that we were just talking about comes in. And there are a lot of studies that individuals can look up on our our friendly internet that will help them understand negative brain bias and what scientifically we're discovering. But that goes into, again, like when we first started to emerge on this planet, we had to be on the lookout for every danger. And we haven't really instinctually gotten over that. And so here we are consistently looking out for dangers And we're becoming the biggest danger to ourselves because we're not recognizing when we do something well. Instead, we're holding on to every mistake we make and every negative judgment that comes in because our brain is still in that flow of looking for every negative as though it's a danger to us in order to survive. And so then the question is, all right, what is that doing to us? Is that a positive? Is it helping us stay alive? Is it helping us survive? Or is it hindering us and holding us back? Because you're going to have people who say both. It's how I thrive. It's how I survive. And then you're going to have people who say, no, it's crushing me. So how do you explore and know what it's doing to you? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Thank you. I think it's a great question. And ultimately, I feel like the ultimate threat is not whether something is good or bad, but I think it's the term normal. That's maybe our biggest threat when it comes to external judgment. Because reality is there is normal. 
there's a perception of normal. I feel like all of us want to feel normal, but the re- and, and then the, and then that kind of this idea and perception of normal kicks off good or bad, which are perceptions in and of itself. Things that were good a hundred years ago are no longer good. And we know that in many, many cultures. I'm not going to sit here and explain all of those. There's a lot. I think we all can understand what those are. Yeah. Some of them are still going on today in some cultures. And and it's like a, a major, you know, that's still a big issue, right? And so we, uh, humanity as a whole hasn't agreed to what is good and bad. I think society continues to, continues to adjust. And the idea and the perception of normal adjusts with that. But we're not looking at it as a collective yet. And so ultimately, I feel like the biggest threat, again, is that idea of normal. None of us are normal. I mean, we're all, we're all weird. Let's just be honest. We're all weird. We're all unique. We're all, and, and, and that's a good thing, right? If we were all the same, and, and maybe that's, that's part of the issue, right? It's like we, we seek normalcy, but, we're, but we don't want sameness. And so I think those are conflicting ideologies and why there's an overall disconnection and why we are so confused with that back and forth. Because if we all are seeking normal, then that is sameness, that is uniformity. That's not what we're all looking for, right? Like uniformity and unity are very, very different. You can be diverse and uh, different, but still be in unity and unison in terms of any any anything that we all decide it it makes sense and then you know maybe for us it's like hey why not be have unity and love right because you can have diverse diversity within that but when we all love each other and we show each other love and we show ourselves love then that's a beautiful quote-unquote normalcy yeah and i think that goes back to the topic of perfection too and Mm. perfectionism and this is another area where we get caught a lot and negative brain bias, always kind of flipping to the negative. And when we talk about negative brain bias, it is that. It's that the majority of our thoughts as human beings tend to run in a negative cycle and cycle over and over again in the same negative thoughts. And out of those thoughts that aren't negative, generally they're neutral. They're not even positive thoughts. Very few of the average, not the normal, the average person are in a positive cycle or flow. They are generally either neutral or negative, and the majority of them are negative. And what feeds many of those negative thoughts are striving either for normalcy or for perfection, and both of which we would offer our are not things that are attainable because there is no true perfect because what is perfect in my eyes will be very different than what is perfect in your eyes we'll take room temperature for example the perfect room temperature (laughs) for you is very different than the perfect room temperature for me so what is perfect then? Right? Yeah. There is in that scenario, there is no perfect. And for many other scenarios, if you break it down and say, what is perfect for this? Mm-hmm. And then you ask a group of 10 people, you're going to get very different answers for what is perfect. So how do we strive for perfection 
when there is no constant for what is perfect. I love that. I think that same idea goes with normalcy, right? Right. We ask different people what normal is. In different cultures, different people from all over the world, normal is, is a very different definition. Right. So then it's an average. Mm. It's not normal. Mm -hmm. It's average. Mm. And so we have to be willing, if we're feeding a negative brain bias, negative thoughts constantly within around these two things. Well, I'm not normal. Mm -hmm. I'll never be normal. I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect. But it's built on something that isn't even consistent. Mm -hmm. Then you are that. And so you're feeding yourself a lie over and over and building these negative pretenses on something that isn't isn't even truth. Mm. Because you are whatever it is that you desire to be because this whole thing is whatever you desire it to be, yeah. right? Perfection is whatever you feel perfection is in your world. Normal is whatever you feel normal is in your world. Mm. And so right there, you have the strength to begin to reframe your thinking reframe your concept and that's where we're saying the inner critic will latch on to those negative brain biases those external judgments that people may place on you because their idea of perfect is going to be different than your idea of perfect and they're going to judge you based on their idea of perfect mm. but your idea of perfect might not be their idea of perfect I could quite easily say, Austin, what is wrong with you? Why do you want to keep the temperature 68 degrees <laughs> and cast my judgment on you? Mm -hmm. But just because I like it 74 and you like it 68 doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. It just means you have a really nice and diverse sweater collection. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm sitting here in a sweater right now and you're in short sleeves, right? Yeah. And so we have to be willing to not set beliefs, limiting beliefs, like I'm broken, me, mm. Amber, I'm broken because I don't like it to be 68 degrees. There's something wrong with me. So I now have a self-limiting belief mm. that I'll never be normal because I don't like it at 68 degrees. Mm. Or that you, Austin, there's something wrong with you because you'll never like it at 74. Yeah. Right? But the longer we let our inner critic tell us that we're broken for that reason, mm -hmm. the longer we're going to keep feeding into that narrative. So we need to recognize these little things that tell us over and over again that there is no true baseline for perfect. There is no true baseline for normal. And this whole negative brain bias as just a concept came from our cave dwelling ancestors when it was necessary. Mm -hmm. Then we got to start asking, is it still necessary in the way that it was utilized before? You know, if a piano is going to fall on your head, it might be necessary 
to like trigger that and think, oh crap, from a negative standpoint, I might think standing in this spot might not be in my best interest. I might need to move. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen on a regular basis. So, mm-hmm. you know, being self-aware enough to know when to utilize it is, is key. Definitely. Definitely. And we have a lot of conveniences these days that are no longer an issue like it was in the past. And so I feel like the more conveniences that humanity has, the more opportunity humanity has to rise above the tendencies uh, that stem from these uh, nature-based, I don't know what's instincts, mm-hmm. right? Like that. And so I love kind of, I love what you were saying is like, we are each, each one of us is our own reality generator. And so when we have a lot of things that are in this world that are taken care of for us, we don't need, like, we don't need to forage for food. And, and by foraging for food, we don't need to like worry about all of these, um, like a saber toothed tiger coming to get us or something like that. Right. And we can, you know, the biggest thing we might, most of us might have to deal with is being cut off, you know, in our car on the way to the grocery store where everything is beautifully laid out uh, well for us. Right. So these conveniences are, are really, it's beautiful, but I think it's also, we haven't really been taught how to deal with the inner critic that's stemming from these natural instincts. And so as these instincts are flaring up, we're not told, hey, we don't really need these anymore. We can rise above them. We can we can pull ourselves up and say, look, it's just not as needed. Like, I'm not worried about death, for example, as often as like we were thousands of years ago on our day-to-day basis for a, for a lot of people. I'm sure, I know there still are today and my heart goes out for that and I'm not saying, you know, uh, that's still a very difficult and real situation in parts of this world. And so I want to honor that. Just like not everyone can get to a grocery store sure. who's watching us. Sure. So there are still those who do need to hunt and grow their own food. Mm-hmm. But it's easier in today's world than it has been. been. Correct. And I was attempting to use in some way, some kind of baseline where there are plenty of grocery stores out there and there are a lot of people buying from them. So attempting to use somewhat of an average, if we will, um, in that sense. And, uh, and so most people just aren't, aren't fearing for their lives in that way on the, on a, but, but those instincts are still there and they've been a part of humanity for thousands of years. So how do you, it's really, it's hard, especially when we're not taught in school, how to just cut those out. Yeah. Right. We are not we're not given the tools to learn how to do that. And so we still those are still bubbling up and they come up in a different way. And, and a lot of it is tied to our ego and how we how we interact in this world. And so it's no longer that's why I was bringing up that fear of death of the ego versus fear of death of the of the body. Right. And so our biggest fears now are, are whether we are, are canceled or whether we are ostracized or, or cast out, um, whether we are not part of a community, whether we are isolated. You know, these are the biggest fears these days. And it can happen because we, it's on a greater scale because before, you know, there's smaller communities, but when, when people are getting ostracized by thousands or millions of people, 
well, we never had any way to deal with that before. We didn't know what that meant or what, how that would affect us. And so it's really easy to fall into that trap of allowing external judgments to help. Help is not the right word. Allowing external judgments to define who we are. It's easy to just allow that to occur and, and fall into that trap. So, yeah. So how do we begin to not create, to unravel and take away these self-limiting beliefs that we've created around these external judgments and these negative brain biases? Because we can talk all day about the fact that they're there and how the inherited trait is passed down from like cave dwelling ancestors that we didn't even know. Thanks, Grog. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't, you know, when it pops up in us, it doesn't give me the resources I need to stop it because it is so ingrained in us. And so it's, for me, it was so helpful to like, just have a tool or two that allowed me to take that step back and go, whoa, okay, I see what's happening now. Yes, my brain immediately went to the negative in that. But I I don't know what's truly happening. Why did I suddenly start thinking negative about this situation? Hmm. But first I needed an ability to take a step back. So what would you offer as a tool to like stop that? Hmm. The trigger is going to happen. So how do you step out of the trigger and allow yourself that, that second to go, oh, hey, look at that. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go to uh, a golf, um, something that helped me in golf. Yes, of course, I love of it. Course, of course. <laughs> so one of the things uh, when playing tournament golf, it was it's really easy to fall into negative, negative brain bias in that way, and and uh, you know hit a shot that you don't, you're not happy with, and just get into the cycle of negativity. And so what I started doing uh, during tournaments was. Uh, I started wearing a uh, a rubber band around my wrist. And so anytime I would have a negative thought, I would just go snap <laughs> and and snap myself back into positivity. And so that was kind of my my good go-to tool. And so I ended up using it because I was golfing all the time. I pretty much just kept the rubber band on my hand. And, uh, and these days with longer hair, it's a hair tie, but uh, <laughs> it's a... That in and of itself just snaps me back in. And it was a really great way to be like, it's just a, what's called a pattern interrupt, right? That's kind of more of the scientific term. And it's just a, whoosh, okay, oh, okay, no, I need to reset and back into positivity, back into my chosen and desired uh, mental mind frame. Like that's, that's where I, I want to be in a positive mindset. So, okay, great. Then I snap back in and I'm good. So I'd say for me, that's a really, really great one. It's very inexpensive <laughs> and it's just a matter of creating, creating a, a new and better habit that I feel really, really works. 
as long as it's, you know, don't take a rubber band and, you know, <laughs> you know, the goal isn't to hurt yourself through this. It's just, uh, just a little, you know, make it easy. And for me, there is no substitute for just taking three deep breaths mm. because you can do that yeah. pretty much anywhere you are. And so I found when I suddenly would catch myself and catching yourself is a big part of it, yeah. right? It's very easy to just go on autopilot and allow the negative thoughts to just keep rolling mm -hmm. but if you can really catch yourself the moment you start that negative train of thought to just go whoa okay i realize i'm doing it i don't need to suddenly start interjecting positive thoughts mm -hmm. because that would be like doing a complete 180. Mm -hmm. that's really challenging so what I can do as kind of a turn point before I start reprogramming with the positive is to just take three deep breaths. Take that moment to just like, all right, I'm going to pause. Then just inhale and exhale and just take my moment. It's my moment. <laughs> and reset the brain and physiologically that brings more oxygen into your body right which is feeding the muscles which is relaxing you and then that in itself is going to cause your brain to go what okay i'm being fed all of this oxygen and that in itself is going to cause there to be a pause in the thoughts then because you've brought awareness into the present moment, you have that little gap, that little gap to then start doing the flip into more questioning. Hmm. And, you know, if you're not in a place to start using positive affirmations, then start using curiosity. Hmm. Instead of being negative about something, start being curious about it. Start asking questions about what's going on. Even if it's about you, if what you were doing because there was an external judgment on you mm -hmm. and it got you feeling negative, if well, use you, you would never say this. And I want to say this right out front. But if you said, Amber, why, why are you always so cold? It's stupid that you have to have the room at 74 degrees. And then I started flipping through, why am I always so cold? What's wrong with me? Why can't I be better than this? And then I caught myself with that internal criticism. And I just took the deep breaths. Then I could say, I could start asking questions like from a physiological standpoint, what is happening with me that maybe there could be something physical? Oh, I have a very low body fat. Maybe that's part of it. And then I could understand what's going on with me versus criticizing myself for something that really has nothing to do with there being an issue mm -hmm. with me. Then I've replaced it with curiosity instead of criticism. Yeah. 
And that can really change things around. Mm -hmm. And we can do the same the moment we get that habit going within ourselves. Yeah. Then we can begin to practice it externally too. But we got to get it within ourselves. And talk about shutting down an inner critic. How can an inner critic feed off of that? It can't. Like, really, there's nowhere for it to go. Yeah. I agree. And I want to, um, maybe we can kind of help because I, I have, like, I love curiosity. Curiosity is amazing. It is what allows humanity to continue to evolve uh, now more than ever, a record, record pace, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I want to, I want to cover a practical situation, one that I struggled with growing up when curiosity was judged. Mm -hmm. And so in these, in this world, a lot of it is, we've had this talk and this understanding and experience of like, well, it's just the way things have always been done. Yes. And so whether it's faith or politics or government or uh, a PTA or, you know, any kind of organization when it's a grouping of people, community, it could be whatever. When there's curiosity and you want to understand it more and people shut down that curiosity, it's really hard not to have that inner critic in that external judgment start to shut you down. Mm -hmm. So I agree with everything you said. I just want to help bridge that gap when we put that curiosity into action outside of ourselves, not just internally. And how do we not let it, you know, kind of turn the opposite way and actually end up fueling more inner critic, inner criticism. Uh, and so how do we, how do we step through that and, and allow ourselves to remain curious, even when it's, we're being shut down for that? I think this is a fantastic question. And this is where I feel science comes into a huge play because in the scientific world, questioning is everything. If we don't ask questions and if your method is not sound enough for every question to be fired at it, then it you're built on a faulty foundation right its whole purpose is that we are firing every question at you mm -hmm. and we desire to break it that's the point mm -hmm. that's how things should be just in general because if something can't withstand the questioning then that means there's room for growth and room for change. Now, there's a difference between questioning for purpose and questioning just to be self-motivated. And I feel like that is a difference. Mm -hmm. Because if you're questioning because you already know the answer, and your ego is involved, then one has to ask, why are you questioning mm -hmm. instead of showing a different way? Mm -hmm. 
to me, I would offer theirs, and this is only my perspective. To me, there's another way you can do that. People can feel when you're questioning and you already know the answer Mm -hmm. versus true curiosity, Mm -hmm. which is I'm questioning because I desire to understand and I desire to explore if there's another way that this could be achieved Mm -hmm. versus I already know this answer and I want you, you to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so one just needs to really be aware of their motivation in the questioning. Right. And maybe you don't know, Mm -hmm. but take the time then to ask yourself, why am I questioning this? Right. And that's where that self-awareness goes, goes back to the heart of it. Like, why am I really asking these questions? Sure. It's a great differentiation, but let's assume um, that you're asking, someone is asking from a curiosity standpoint and it's met with, well, that's just the way things have been done. Or, um, you know, we don't question the word or whatever that is. Uh, You know, that can be a lot of things or, um, in some ways, it's I've definitely been been told just like, "Hey, don't question things." Mm-hmm. It just there wasn't even an answer. It's just don't question, and it made me feel like something was wrong with me. Well, if I'm the only one in the class, for example, asking the question and no one else is, and then I'm being told not to question it, then why? What is wrong with me? You know, and so that's those are the inner this, this, and I'm sure a lot of people, and it could be in a thousand different types of situations. And so I'm doing my best to be generally specific, and I apologize for that. But I just I want people to be able to fill in the blank in whatever situation. I'm sure they've experienced it in many, many different ways because it could be at work. It could be, I mean, there's so many different approaches. So, um, but I, I know that's that is a struggle because it is really easy to let that external judgment determine how you feel about yourself and and get in and then the inner critic just goes wild yeah and i don't know that there's a great answer for it other than if that's where you are Mm -hmm. and you're being told not to question Mm -hmm. then it goes back to the culture Mm -hmm. right is that a cultural fit for you then Mm -hmm. maybe those who are engaged in that culture are quite content to not question Mm But you, as a person, are not content to not question. Mm. And so instead of feeding into that inner critic and feeling like you're broken, understand that there are cultures, that there are groups who align with that Mm -hmm. and who would welcome that level of questioning and that that desire to know more and to expand the world that you're engaged in, whether that's just like your world around you or the world as a whole and find that which aligns with you. But again, you have to know who you are in order to do that. And that goes back to finding out like, why? Why am I caring about that in the first place? And what is that driving me toward? And you have to, you have to 
be able to know that you're not broken in any way just because you care about that. And I know when you and I first met, Mm -hmm. that was one of the conversations we had was you were quite frankly nervous to ask me questions. I'm like, ask anything. Our first book that we released, Opportunities for Expansion, Mm -hmm. the very first preface says, question everything. Mm -hmm. Because that's important in life. You should be free to question everything. Otherwise, you're not going to know what it means for you. I love that. So redirect the curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's a great answer. Uh, I feel like it's also important to, with that in in mind and at heart, if our goal is not to be, not to allow the external judgments to direct how we feel about ourselves, for us to be as mindfully aware not to feed into the external judgments of others, knowing that everyone else has an internal critic. Yes. And so if our goal is to not feel like we're being externally judged, then it's important that if, let's say we do find ourselves in a situation where you're asking a question, it's not being well received. Mm-hmm. And we start to go in and be curious of saying, okay, well, hey, is this the right space for me? Or is this the right group for me? Or is this the right whatever for me? To not judge the others in the group for choosing to be a part of that and not questioning. Yes, I think that's that's uh, that's a really it's hard not to do that because you're because because you know when we feel ostracized or we feel like we're you know it's it's easy to justify you know oh they're the weird ones you know for not questioning or they're you know and and I think that we we as a humanity right now are really stuck in that. Yep. Uh, and it's it's kind of. It's kind of this ultimate like duality and opposition. Yeah. And and you know, the the only way that duality exists is through coexistence. There has to be a plane in which both exist simultaneously. So again, duality is that um illusion where it's actually coexistence at play. Yeah. And so that's a mind bend for people, but it's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I just think that's, um, I appreciate you kind of walking through that and, and just that, that beautiful, simple quote, if we want to see a change in the world, it first has to start within us. Right. And so if we don't want to be judged then the best way to not be judged by others is to stop judging others. And to stop judging ourselves. Yes. And to stop judging ourselves. Exactly. Right. It has to begin within. Yeah. And that goes back again to what we're talking about, like that recognizing our tendency for the negative brain bias Mm -hmm. and taking those pauses and not eating up that external judgment and allowing it to become internal judgment. Yeah. Right. And, you know, from a personal standpoint, I was at getting my hair done. And I heard one young girl who was getting her hair done beside me say, I can only be friends with people who are exactly like me. If they're not exactly like me, then I want nothing to do with them. Mm. And for a moment, you know, my, my inner critic went off and I'm like, well, that's just rude. And then I was like, well, why am I being rude by thinking that's rude? Like, that's obviously her choice. But at the same time, my heart broke a little for her 
because the way that we learn about ourselves is to be around people who are not like us. And so she's limiting her opportunity to know about herself if she's only hanging around with people who are like her. But then who am I to have any assessment over the choice that she's making? So then it was my opportunity to step back and observe, like, why do I, why did that have any impact on me whatsoever? So even listening to things that trigger you internally and make you have an external judgment internally of someone else can be your moment to go, wait a second, why did you just do that? And then take a moment to let that go in love and say, I have no bearing over anybody else's choice. And just honor where that individual is and know that for me, if there's any part of me that is making that same choice, this is my time to witness that within myself, not have a self-limiting belief in the same way, and then begin to break down that barrier and let go of any negative brain bias I have around how others live their life. I love that. So other people's actions aren't an attack on you, but in fact, a mirror. Exactly. That's awesome. Love. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's such a beautiful, beautiful way to approach it. And I mean, we're all learning. We're all growing. None of us have all the answers. We surely don't. No. <laughs> and we're kind of talking it out and, uh, you know, along with everyone that's listening here. And, and so, but what we are seeking to do is just, Provide a different perspective. You know, we always say, "What would love do?" Right, and so that's kind of what we're attempting to do here: is is is, is start picking away at at understanding what would love do here, and, and start really focusing on our choices in that realm. As a as a reality generator, I desire to generate reality centered in love, right? As you do, and I feel like a, a lot of people do. It's it's. It's fun to be in a loving environment, right? Um, where we all feel accepted, we feel seen, we feel heard, we feel connected. I mean, that's where that's what a lot of people are are, are seeking. Like, if you actually ask, what what are you longing for? I feel like a lot of people would say, I, I really do want to just be heard, seen, and understood. Yeah. But if we're not willing to do that for ourselves, it's really hard, as you were saying, to to do that for others. And so that's why I love this understanding of of redirecting these external judgments and these negative brain biases and seeing, taking the time to understand how they're affecting our inner critic and creating self-limiting beliefs. Then how do we pull ourselves out of those self-limiting beliefs, recognizing that those are just perceptions of ourselves as a reality generator, as we each are, why limit our reality? That's let's choose one that is in alignment with who we are. And I do, I want to kind of segue that into this idea of, of fear. I feel like it's really the feeling that we, many of us have, because we've all had self-limiting beliefs stems from a fear. 
that is a source in some way, shape, or form. And so if we can collectively learn how to support each other out of those fears into that space of love, then maybe those self-limiting beliefs can really start to fall away. And imagine what we could create as a species. What can humanity do if we stopped limiting ourselves? If we together in love supported and held space for one another because we knew that we were doing that for ourselves, if we could pull the very best out of who we are and ultimately pull the best out of everyone around us, I mean, talk about limitless beliefs that we could actually not just, then they're not theoretical, they're actually, they could be manifested, they could be realized, and we could all benefit from it. Great. And that is our goal here through Suivera. So we thank you very much for taking part with us, especially through this Heart Leader podcast. And this book, Silence Your Inner Critic and others, along with all of the tools and resources that we have through Suivera are all focused on that. So with this book, Silence Your Inner Critic, we are in the process of writing it even as we are creating these podcasts. And we are 100% open for feedback and you letting us know what you would like to see in both the book and here on the podcast. So if you have things that you have really been feeling through or thinking about questions or resources that you would like to offer, please feel free to post them below wherever you are watching or listening to this, or you can send them to us at info, I-N-F-O, at suivera.org. We'll look at and read each and every one of the messages that comes in. We also have an opportunity for you to pre-order the book. So if you hop on over to silenceyourinnercritic.com, we'll make sure that's available down below too, then you can pre-register for it and save 20% plus you get a free workshop, one of our best-selling ones, delivered directly to you. It is a mirror technique. It's all about getting that self-awareness and really being able to see yourself through new eyes. So take a moment and get your pre-registration in for the book. Until next time, I am your host, Amber, and I'm here with Austin. And we look forward to seeing you in our Suivera community.